Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. I hope you guys are doing okay this evening. Um, yeah, we, we, I joined the church when I was five. So as long as you can do the math, you know how old I am. It's not, it's not hard. It's easy math. Well, um, benefits of generosity. Um, if you know me, if you know me, I hope you think I'm a generous person. Um, I think I'm a pretty generous person. Uh, generosity has been has always been something that's kind of easy for me. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. It's just that's just kind of the way I've always been, just a giving person. But um, of course, I've been here at the church, and uh, I've given a lot of time and money and effort and my talents, of course. Um, uh, and yeah, and that's and that's and that's what church is supposed to be all about. It's supposed to be about people. Uh, coming together because of Jesus and just giving. Um, it, that's just what, you know, he, he teaches us that. It's about us giving. Um, you know, I, there's a whole lot that I have to, there's a whole lot that I have to say and want to say. Of course, I won't get it all in tonight, but I'm sure uh, Pastor Marvin will let me speak again sometime and I'll part two or part three or whatever. But but there's a bunch of stuff about generosity. Um, so much good stuff. Um, let me just start by, um, let me just start, let me, let me pray. Would that be okay? You know, um, I don't know what it is about it, but it's like the, the, the longer that I serve God, um, the more important I see prayer, man, it's just, man, when I think back when I was a kid and my mom would try to teach me about prayer, man, I could kick myself for not, you know, listening and, and being a person of prayer, you know. Uh, prayer just opens so many things up to us, and you learn so many, you know, so many things about prayer. So let's pray first. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and uh, we're glad that we can do that. If it wasn't for what Jesus has done for us and did for us on the cross, we wouldn't be able to come before you. Uh, we would have to be, we would have to be afraid. We would have to be discouraged people if it wasn't for what Jesus did. But He made us confident, and we're so very grateful for that. Uh, we come to you, and um, I ask that you would, first of all, that you would bless these people tonight, that w- the things that I'm saying, your word, whatever it is, even if it's just a little bitty thing, that it would just open their minds and their hearts for something fantastic that you want to do in their life, and that they would see how important that they are to you. I pray for Pastor Marvin and Miss Patty as our pastors, and just would ask that you would help us to be the generous people uh, around them, like as we come alongside them to do awesome, fantastic ministry in Tyler, reaching people. And we just want to reach the world. And we know that we can because you promised it. And we're going to do that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, let me let me tell you guys a little bit about um, when we start, when we think about generosity, you know, our minds kind of always go to money. But I want to let you guys know that, that the generosity that we're talking about is not necessarily just money. So so let's try to reprogram our minds, if we can, this evening, that it's not just about money. Now, a, a, lot of, a lot of the reason why we think about money, because money is so important to a lot of us. And it is. Money is a, money is a very, very important tool. And that's why Jesus spoke about money so much. Because he knew what kind of uh, hold it would have on us. Uh, the Bible even goes so far to say that the love of money is the root of all evil. 
So it's powerful, all right? That's powerful. When you think about if you love money, you know, and we're not supposed to love money, it's okay to have money. You know, God wants us to be blessed financially. But he just doesn't want us to have to where it's money has a hold of us to where if God said, hey, go give it all away, that we, that we wouldn't say, okay, we'll give it all away. That's, it, money is just a tool, like a hammer, like a spatula. It's just a tool for getting a job done. But God knew how important it was and how a hold of our heart it would have on us. But you know, if you think about it, our time is just as valuable, if not more. Our talents that God has given each and every one of us is just as valuable if you stop and think about it. You know, there are people right now that are making millions of dollars because of a talent that God gave them. Football players, basketball players, baseball players. Those guys make millions off of physical talent that God gave them. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that is amazing when you think about what God has done for us. And you know that every one of us has that same kind of talent inside of us. That may not be a physical talent, maybe a mental talent. You know what I'm saying? It may be that you're using the way you use your mind and you think and, and do things. And you could possibly produce a lot of money. But I just want us to kind of rethink about how, what we're thinking about generosity. You know, um, you don't have to be, you don't have to have money to be generous. Y'all know that? There's poor people that are generous. Uh, do you guys remember the story in the Bible where the woman, I think the Bible says in the King James Version, she had just two mites, but she gave it all. And Jesus said, this woman has given more than all these rich folks over here. Well, she only gave two mites, though. It's not the amount. It's the percentage. It's the heart behind that. She gave it all, expecting God to take care of her. Okay? So you don't, you don't have to be rich. You can be poor. You can be rich. You can still be generous, and that's what God wants us to be, is generous. In the Bible, there's three areas of giving, three main areas that it talks about in the Bible. One is tithing. That is the first 10% of our income. First 10%. The tithe is not 10%. It's the first 10%. God says, you give me the first, because he's worthy of the first. All right? So we take the first 10% before we make the house payment, before we make the car payment, before we buy the groceries. We take the first 10% of our income and we give it to God, the church. That's where you get fed, the church. It'd be great if we could just hand it to God, wouldn't it? Here, God. He reaches down. That'd be cool. But just bring it to the church, the church you go to. If this is not your church, then give it to your church. This is the church. This is my church, so I bring my tithe here, or the tithe. Then there's offerings. That's anything over that first 10%. It can be a penny, or it can be another 10%, or it could be the other 90%. It's totally up to you. It's an offering. And then there's one other area of giving that we don't talk about a whole lot. And in the Bible, it doesn't really like title it, but I'll call it a sacrificial giving. It's anything that you would give that would be a great sacrifice to you. Again, the woman with the two mites, that was a great sacrifice for her. Because it was every bit of money she had. It was a little bitty bit, but it was everything to her. Okay? And then what about Jesus? He gave the ultimate sacrifice in giving his life. Okay? So we see it in the Bible. And God will lead you in those, God will lead you in those times. Uh, the, the guy that Jesus said, 
hey, I want you to go give all your money to the poor. That was a sacrificial offering, okay? And that's kind of the generosity that I kind of want you guys to think about a lot tonight, okay? Um, you know, you can give your tithe and you can give offering, and you could even give sacrificially and still not be generous because of the way you're giving it. You know, it has to, again, be a heart thing. You know, it has to be a thing that you're saying, God, I'm doing this because I feel like this is what you would have me to do. You know, there's there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires out there that they could just, you know, they could come in here tonight and just unload a couple of million dollars, give it to Pastor Marvin, here you go, and it would mean nothing. It would mean nothing for them because they're just doing it out of their abundance. They're not doing it because they love Jesus and they want to obey him. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Man, there's so, many, so much good stuff about generosity in there. We could just go on and on. But let's go ahead and get into our first point. Let me get over my notes here. God wants us all to be generous. My first point tonight is uh, generosity creates peace. And just for just for the sake of time, I'm not going to look at all these verses, but we were going to look at 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in about verse 4. And I'll, and I'll just jump around a little bit, guys, so you just forgive me. But in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3, excuse me, it says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Now let me stop here and explain a little bit. Of course, I, I don't know if you got how, mu- how much you guys know about the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, when they would, when they would want to either... Um, ask God to forgive them of sin, or if they just wanted to thank God, you know, different things like that, they would go and, and sacrifice an animal and burn it on an altar, all right? They would kill it, lay it on this altar, and burn it. And it was almost like a, just telling God, thank you, or Lord, would you forgive me? You know, I don't know if you guys have ever read like Leviticus. Man, it's, it's crazy, the, the ordinances. God, it's crazy the laws that they had. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Man, can you imagine? It says here that Solomon burnt a thousand offerings. A thousand cows? It was usually a cow that lost its life. Can you guys imagine killing a thousand cows? Can you imagine the man hours that went into that? Right? Okay, I, mean, I bet you those priests were about to, they were like, Solomon, serious. I mean, let's stop it. A hundred, a hundred would be great, right? One would be great. I mean, you guys ever, you guys ever tried to move a cow? <laughs> really, my dad owns cows. You don't move a cow. If the cow don't want to move, he ain't moving. He moves where he, when and how he wants. And, the, and Solomon gave a thousand burnt offerings. Basically, that would be like us, maybe like us worshiping God for a thousand hours. What about that? What if we just stood up here and just sang for a thousand hours? I don't even know how many days that is. But I can imagine it would be nearly that exhausting. But that's what Solomon was doing. He was just telling God, God, thank you. I love you. 
So let's go on down and look at verse. Let's look at verse 5. After Solomon offered those thousand bird offerings, it says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if God said, ask whatever you want? Now, why did God do that? I truly believe it was because Solomon burnt a thousand burnt offerings. Solomon was sacrificially given to God. I mean, he, that's, a, that's a huge, I mean, a thousand cows. That's no small, I mean, that's not small change. In anybody's economy, a thousand cows. My dad has cows, and I think a cow right now will sell for anywhere between five to eight hundred dollars a cow. So we're talking we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. But Solomon did it. All right, and look what it says. What Solomon said to God. Solomon said, "Well." My my awesome computer is not working with me. He said, you have showed unto your servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness that you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And he says, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in and your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this so great a people. And of course it goes on that it, it says that this prayer pleased God and God said he'd do it. God gave him wisdom. And that's why Solomon was so wise and so rich and so wealthy. Now, let's go and look at 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 24, and see what it says here. It says, For he, Solomon, had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tifsa even to Azza, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. So we see here because that Solomon was generous to God. That it brought peace, and you know it says it was all his, all the time that Solomon was a king, he didn't he didn't have to fight hardly any battles. There wasn't hardly anybody that would come against him. He had peace on all sides, and it'll work the same for you and I if we'll make sure that we're generous people towards God. It will bring peace in our life. It'll bring peace in our life. If we look at Proverbs, let me think where that scripture was. Proverbs three, I think it's. Well, I may be missing it. But if we will be generous with God, he'll cause the same for us, that we'll have peace. Now, the reason that we want to be generous, you know, I was when I was studying this generosity, I was thinking, you know, what, well, what would be the number one reason why we would want to be generous? Is it just so that, you know, is it just so that we get stuff or have peace or, you know, I was kind of, you know, that kind of seems not, and, you know, I thought the number one reason why we should be generous is because God told us to be generous. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, as dear children, imitate God. Do what God does. And we know 
that God has told us to be generous, and he is generous. Um, I was looking at, I was listening to somebody today talking about John 3.16, and what does John 3.16 say? We all know it. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave. And when we are generous people, it comes from God's love. That's why we're generous, because of his love. That's where it originates from. You know, I was thinking about the fruits of the Spirit, and love is the fruit of the Spirit, but it doesn't say that generosity is the fruit of the Spirit. But generosity comes from that love. All right? Pretty good stuff, right? You know, I just love, I just love that story about Solomon, how that he just was a, such a, so generous towards God, and God asked him, whatever you want. You know, I think, I, think that's, I think that's the way it would be for us too. If we showed ourselves to be very, very generous, I truly believe God would ask us the same. He'd do the same for us. Just truly believe that. That's awesome. It's great. It's, it, at least we can have the hope of that, right? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and go to, to point two. We'll go ahead and go on to it. Generosity brings health. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 14. Um, starting with about verse 17, and this, uh, let me kind of set where we're at here. This is, this is talking about Abraham. This is, uh, Genesis chapter 14 and it's referring to Abraham. It says, verse 17, after his return from the defeat of Cheddar Laomer, anybody else know how to pronounce that? That's pretty, that's a pretty crazy name, isn't it? It always makes me think about cheese for some reason. Cheddar Laomer, I don't know. Uh, after the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, Shavi, Shave, what, I don't know. Sure, it's probably, yeah, Shave, okay. Well, it's probably totally different, but that's the East Texas white boy version. Um, that, here it is, that is the king's valley, we'll just say that. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham, or Abram, gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom, Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre take their share. Now, a couple of things I'd like to show you guys out of these verses is that at this time, there was no law. There was no law that said, give the tenth to God. There was no law that said that. This was before Moses. This was before any law. Abraham just Abraham just said, "I'm just I'm going to give I'm going to give the priest, I'm going to give the pastor, I'm going to give the preacher, I'm going to give him ten percent first, the first tenth. So we see Abraham being generous here. And then if you go on down a little bit further down there at the end, look at what Abraham says, verse twenty four. He said, "Let Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre take their share." So not only did he give to God first. Then he was looking out for other people. He was he give to those other guys. He said, "Hey, king, he said to the king, let these guys take whatever they want from from the poor, but I'm not going to take anything." Now I think it's pretty cool that Abram did this 
But, you know, if, if you go back and read this story, the whole, Abram took 318 of his servants. That's pretty cool in itself. It takes a lot of money to have 318 servants, doesn't it? So, so Abraham was a rich guy. And then he went to fight against like four kings and their armies. You know, that's the whole, that was the whole premise. He took back what those four or five kings went and, and took from a city. And Abraham went after them with his servants. Now, how cool is that? Do you, any, any of you guys know how old Abraham was at this time? I didn't look, but I think he was in his 80s. That's pretty cool. I hope when I'm 80 that I could do stuff like that. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, don't we all kind of think that'd be cool? Let's get on our horses and take our swords, man, and get the stuff. That'd be cool. Of course, it'd be Uzis now, right, or machine guns. But just that he's that old, and that, and he has that many servants, and then he puts God first. Cool, right? So let me let me show you guys a few things. Look, let's look at. Let me read Genesis eighteen, verses one through eight to you guys. And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran. Abraham's Abraham's 99 at this time, I believe. I think he's 99. He said he ran. He ran from the tent door to meet them and and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. He's he's 90-something. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said, and Abraham went quickly. Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick. Three seas of fine flour, knead it, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Whole lot of humility going on. Running, moving quickly saying, I am your servant, standing there while they ate. You know what kind of people stand while other people eat? Servants, waiters, waitresses. Can you see the, can you see the passion? Let me, um, let me share a few statistics with you guys. When you read the book of Genesis, it records Abraham having kids. And he had children from age 86 to at least 136. In Genesis 25, it says after Sarah died, he remarried. He married a a woman named Keturah. He had at least six sons with her. He was, 100, he was about 136 years old. 
He lived to be 175. Now, I know we don't live that long. But the thing I'm trying to show you is, is no, no matter how old he got, his health was always there. Nobody has, nobody has kids at 86. Nobody has, nobody has kids at 86. You don't hear, that doesn't happen now. Right? That don't happen nowadays. I don't know. I don't know why. Is it because we're not generous? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that in Abraham's life, he was generous. And he was a crazy kind of passionate, generous for God. Let me, let me end by just showing you guys a few of the things that, that Abraham did for God that I think was just amazing because of how difficult it was. All right. Abraham, God asked Abraham to kill his son and he was going to do it. Now, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where he ever complained or said, God, are you sure? Not one time. God told him to do it, and he was on his way. When, when, he, uh, when he first met God, God told him, get away from your family, leave your family, leave everything you know is familiar and get out of here, and, and Abraham did it. At 99 years old, God said, I want you to be circumcised. And he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, all of your servants in your house, too. Can you imagine telling your servants that? <laughs> Can you imagine walking up to a 40-year-old man and saying, you've got to get circumcised? Abraham had, to, Abraham had to do that. He had to go to all his servants. And he had a bunch, didn't he? We just talked about 318. What, a, what kind of a day was that? That ain't something easy, is it? Man, that's some serious, that's some serious generosity, right? Let me tell you something else he had to do. He had to have sex with his wife's maid. That wasn't hard. I thought y'all would laugh on that one. Right? Sarah said, hey, I can't have kids. Take Take my maid and you can have kids with her. And Abraham did that. Wasn't God's plan. I thought I'd get I thought I'd get a good laugh out of that one. But the thing I just want you guys to see is, is that is how is how Abraham's willingness to do what God wanted him to do, even when it was really difficult, really hard. So if we will be like Solomon, and you know, the thing with Solomon. That, that always kind of stands out to me, is that he did this without having to be told by God. You know, he sacrificed those 1,000 burnt offerings. Nowhere, nowhere does it say God told him to do it. He just did it. So can we be like Solomon and just be generous and not have God to tell us to be generous? And can we be like Abraham and can we just be crazy generous even in difficult things? You know, we have it so much easier now, our life. And we sometimes get to a place where we don't want to come to church or tithe or, you know. You know, tithing, that ain't even being generous. That's just being obedient. You know, that's that's the that's basic. But we got to be people of, of generosity. You know, uh, let me end in telling you guys this. Um, 
2016, and this was kind of a this was gonna this was gonna be kind of another point in my message. I kind of but I just left it out. You know that generosity will will help you plan. It'll help you plan for future. Because when you begin to think about, I want to be generous to this person, this person, do this, do this. You admit, you quickly realize your money's going to run out pretty quickly. Your time's going to run out. You know, you've only got so much. So in 2016, my wife and I, we wanted to get out of debt. We'd been thinking about it for a long time. We went to we went through the Dave Ramsey um, training and all that. And man, we were just we got to we got to do this. We just kept feeling like that's what God wants to do. So in 2016, we we went and worked part time jobs in the evening. And so for 10 months, we worked at McAllister's Deli here in Tyler, and we took my entire paycheck of my day job, my 40-hour full-time job, and we just poured it on our house. Now, we didn't owe a whole lot on our house. It wasn't like we owed hundreds of thousands of dollars or nothing. But within 10 months, we got our house paid off. And then a few more months went goes by, and we get everything else paid off. So we get ourselves completely debt free and you know when I first began to when I was thinking about it you know debt free I kind of was really honestly didn't think it was that big of a deal but when we finally when my wife called me one day and said we just paid the last of the last we owe nothing there's just a freedom to it I don't know what it is about I can't it's hard to explain but there's just a freedom to it But but the thing the point I was making is it made us plan and did we want to get out of debt just so that we could say, oh, there's such a freedom to it? No. We got, the main reason we want to get out of debt is because, first, we knew that's what God wanted us to do. And we know it's because he wants us to be generous. You know, in a nutshell, really, the reason why God wants you to be generous is because he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. That's really, so you can be a blessing. If you're always broke, no time to do anything, you're not going to be much of a blessing. Just, you can't, you know? But, and that's really what God wants us to do, all right? Let's, let's pray. Father, we love you this evening. Thank you for your word.